Well, good evening, and thank you, children, for coming up there. Sometimes it's hard to figure out what to do for a children's meeting, isn't it? <laughs> so many options. What do you do? And I appreciate your attention. You know, not all children's meetings go that way, where they're attentive and they respond, and you folks have done really well with that. So God bless you. Well, we welcome each one here, and again, we have a word, like Brother Jay was saying, a word that we don't often use in our everyday language. And the word for tonight is up on the board. Now, did any of you children figure out what that one says and what it means? Yes. Okay, and what does it mean? Likeness and resemblance. Okay. Did you say similitude? Okay, there we go. I hadn't even checked the dictionary on that when I got here and I thought, I think I know how to say it. <laughs> yes, it means likeness and resemblance, similitude. It's used a dozen times, if I counted correctly, in the Bible. And I wasn't sure which verse to use, but James 3, 9 says, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. And I thought it fit with our children's lesson, what we say. And the lesson of this verse is, that out of our one mouth comes blessing and curses. And we bless God and we curse men. And it says, it's implying that we should not do that. Why? Because we are made in the similitude after the similitude of God. And I told you children the other night, you were created in the image of God. <laughs> Some of you thought that wasn't true. <laughs> but that's what this verse is saying. That we ought not curse men. Because we're made in the image of God. There's something sacred about that. And just as a little side note, that's why we're different in the animal kingdom. Human beings deserve a lot more respect than animals because we're made in, after the similitude of God. Well, thank you very much for that. I will go ahead and write the last one up here. I thought about giving you a really hard one, but I'm keeping it simple for you. There is a real long name in the Bible that's would be really interesting to see if someone could actually say it. But, okay. Okay, that is S-E-P-U-L-C-H-R-E for those listening on the phone. And so we'll look forward to your word tomorrow night on this uh, particular word. All right, I had invited the youth over. Hope you invited your friends. It's good to see some benches full of them. And we're going to have a message for the youth tonight. And I haven't preached a lot of messages for the youth. And that may sound strange, being that I am young. <laughs> and it was interesting tonight. We were coming down. We stopped at a Chick-fil-A. And, of course, they have the drive through As a young man standing at the drive through and I told my wife, I said, I wonder how old he is. I said, I bet he's only 16 years old or 17 and just... You know, I said, wouldn't it be nice to go back to there? <laughs> you know, I'm twice that old now. And uh, anyway, we just, you know, it's nice to look upon the youth sometimes and just marvel at the vitality that we see in them and the life. And what would our churches be without them? It wouldn't be a whole lot, would they? And so, you youth tonight, we're glad you're here. And I hope this message can give you some kind of direction in your life that helps to make you more useful in the kingdom and more useful in your congregations. And the title is Finding Purpose in My Youth. 
That's the title. Finding purpose in my youth. You know, like we said, youth have much energy. Potential energy, we might say. Youth have much potential energy. They have strength. They have time. They have money. They have little responsibility. And they have all these things. And youth is such a unique time in life that you actually have all these things at one time. You know, you get older, you start losing the time. <laughs> you start getting a lot more responsibility. And yeah, we try to hang on to our strength as much as we can. But as a youth, most likely you have them all here in the United States of America. You, you probably have them all. And, and the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 11 verse 9, it says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. And that is a tremendous positive verse. He's not saying here just live it up in your lust. He's saying that because you have strength and vitality, that you are to rejoice in the days of your youth, and you are to let the time of life cheer you. And I hope you're experiencing that tonight. A time of youth is, is a time of rejoicing and life. It's life in our congregation, and, and it's to be a time of enjoyment. And walk in the ways of thine heart. He does mention here that God will bring the end of judgment. So there's accountability for that. He doesn't let that go. The Bible also says in Psalm 127 verse 4. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man. So are the children of the youth. And what he's saying right there is. That there's a lot of potential energy. And if you launch it in the right direction. The results are amazing. You hit the target. Another verse in 1 John 2.14, he says, I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. And I just love that verse. I'm writing to you because you are strong. You know, most of the writings are to those who are weak. <laughs> but he said, I'm writing to you because you are strong, and you have overcome. And that is the prayer, I think, for every youth here tonight, that they would be strong and they would overcome. But what do we do? with the potential energy that we have. In the world, in the culture in which we live, what are you going to do tonight with all this life and vitality and energy that you have? And I believe tonight we have a choice. We can either, either choose to be like Joseph and use it for a purpose, or we can be like Samson who lost sight of his purpose and walked away and wandered. Both were young men with lots of potential. In fact, Samson was the strongest man that ever lived. But he walked away from the purpose of God and got himself in much trouble. One lived with purpose and the other one did not. Joseph lived with purpose. And you can see that in his life. You know, there's an old saying that goes like this. It says, aim at nothing and you will hit it every time. You know, our question for you tonight as youth is, what are you aiming at? Are you living a life of purpose? Or are you wandering aimlessly in this world with no purpose? You know, did you ever see the bumper sticker that says, Not all who wander are lost? <laughs> Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that we can wander around in this world and we're, we're not lost? We're talking about finding purpose in our youth. 
You know, the, the burden of my heart today is that there's way too many Mennonite youth who are wandering, wandering without purpose. And we don't need to do that, as we'll find out tonight. We don't need to wander without purpose. And you know, when you're wandering without purpose, you end up going with the flow. That's where you end up going. You go with the masses. And yes, you're going to be going down the broad way, most likely, if you're wandering around without purpose. And I say tonight's message, is a, the goal is to push back against this and give purpose and meaning to your existence here on this earth. And to the time of life you're in, it's to give meaning and purpose. What does the lack of purpose do in our life? Well, it makes us wonder. Second point that lack of pur purpose does is it causes depression and discouragement. And in the world today, suicide. It really does. You, the world looks around like we can't figure it out why all of our youth are struggling with mental health issues and mental illness. And I'm not saying that's every issue, the reason for every issue, but the primary reason is that they are living without a purpose. They're living without a purpose. And there could be many reasons why they're living without a purpose, but I think in today's world, one of the foundational reasons is that we are denying them of a creator. We're telling them they come from monkeys. You realize how much of a difference that makes when you face the issues of life and the sanctity of life, the meaning of life, the value of life? If the reason why I'm here today is that I just evolved from some boom way back in the day, how much purpose does that give you in life? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. You know, the Bible is wonderful. It tells us in Jeremiah 1, verse 5, it says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And the lovely thing tonight is that I can tell you that God had an interest in you before you were born. You did not lack purpose for coming into this world. God gave you purpose. And I don't know what he has in mind for you, but he told Jeremiah here that I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And it is God who gives us purpose from day one. Let's never forget that. But a lack of purpose will cause us to wander away and be depressed about life. And yes, the world has discounted life on a number of levels. Yes, the abortion is just out of this world, abortion on demand, and then euthanasia in, in your later years of life. Where is the purpose of life? Where is the purpose of life? And yes, we have gender confusion and all kinds of things today because people lack purpose. And I just wish that we could go and tell all the youth in the world, and that's our mission as Christians, to tell them that you have a purpose. You're here for a reason. Well, the third point that I have here, what does a lack of purpose do tonight? And it opens the door for temptation. If you're here tonight and you have no sense of purpose in your life and you're lacking it, you are letting a big gap in the door for the devil to get his foot into. Because you cannot be empty and void tonight. There is something that will fill you. And if you lack purpose tonight, something will fill you. And it's... The old saying is idleness is the devil's workshop, is it not? When you lack purpose, 
The devil soon finds the way to fill our lives. And I think it's why Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 2.22, he says, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And all he was telling Timothy was, fill your life with something. Flee away from these other things. And so yes, a lack of purpose tonight opens the door for temptation. If you're struggling with temptation, I hope tonight when we're finished this message that you will find purpose in your life and that fulfillment that you find will shut the door to a lot of temptations you may come across. I just have five points tonight. Rules for a purpose-driven life, I guess I call them, and maybe you don't like the idea of rules, but maybe you'd call them paths to a purpose-driven life. And there's many points you could have, and you could... I probably picked my five favorite ones. And you know what? I don't have youth in my family tonight. They're not that old. Some of you have youth. A lot of you have youth. And I may not have gotten them quite right. But I pull from my own observation, from my own experience in life, and I hope these points can bless you tonight. The first point I have for a purpose-driven life is to respect the guardrails. I don't know if you call them guide rails down here or guard rails, but we call them guard rails. They're the metal things along the road that if you don't know how to drive half decent, you're going to run into them, okay? You're going to run into them. Respect the guard rails tonight. And what does that mean? Well, broadly speaking, it means respect authority in your life. Without authority, there is chaos. Without authority, there is anarchy. And you're saying, why am I talking about authority when it comes to purpose-driven life? Well, authority in your life gives you purpose. Authority in your life structures your life. And in society in general, it makes you compatible to live with other people. You can't live in a society without authority. It's chaos. It's anarchy. And so if you are lacking purpose and your life is chaotic, the first thing you need to do is respect the authorities that are there in your life. And it will bring you in and find a purpose. You will find a purpose in that. Well, the first authority you had in your life is your parents. You know, the first authority that your parents exercised over you is they gave you a name. Do you ever think about that? This little baby comes in the world. And the first authority that you exercise over them is you call them something. And they can't do a thing about it. <laughs> they can't. That is authority over, over your children. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And you know, it's not very long into a child, after a child's birth that the parents start giving direction and guidelines. And we teach our children to obey. And this goes right up into your youth years because you still have parents. And if you're still living at home, you are under their authority. And they do it so that it might be well with you. Proverbs 1 verse 8 says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Verse 9, For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. Parents have a love in their hearts for their children. Most of them do. And I believe most of them here, you tonight here have parents who love, love you. And the authority they exercise over you is not just to make you do something that they want to do. It is because 
They want it to be well with you. They've seen more. They have more experience. And they know what life will bring you. And it is your job as a youth to honor your parents. It is respecting the guardrails. It will give you purpose in life. You see, authority in our life tells us a lot of things. Tells us where to go. Tells how to do it. A lot of questions it answers. And so honoring your parents' instructions will bring honor and respect in the eyes of others. Just like it says here, there will be an ornament of grace under thy head and chains about thy neck. It's like jewelry. It's the kind of jewelry you want to wear tonight. Honor and respect for your parents. And you know what? There's one more thing you need to remember tonight. Someday, you're going to be the parents. You know? And I have a feeling sometimes these older parents just can't wait. <laughs> you know, I wonder how they'll be parents someday, you know? And it comes around. And so think about it. What your parents are asking of you. And honor them. And be glad that they care about your life. Because there are youth today who have no parents that care about their life. And we should be thankful that they care. Another bracket of authority we're in as youth is submission to the church. And I know tonight that maybe not all of you are church members, but I think you can still learn something. We're preaching this sermon tonight kind of to born-again youth, but you'll also learn a few other things as well. But tonight we need to understand that for my spiritual success, it is important to respect the authority in the church. And you might ask why. Why is that? Well, it's this simple. If we disregard the counsel of our brethren, then what is your purpose in the brotherhood? We're talking about lack of purpose. If we disregard the church, we soon become self-focused and we lose our purpose within the congregation because we're not there. We've rejected the, the counsel of the church. And my, my plea is with you as youth is to own your church. You know what I mean by that? Own your church. It means that you take your congregation as they are, your leadership, whoever it is, and you say, this is my church. Yes, I don't agree with everything that they say and do, and you never will in any church you go to. But it's my church. And wherever you go, whether it's California or Florida or Louisiana, wherever you go, you own your church. You don't have to do like everybody else when you're away from home. You really don't. And I, I really wish among our conservative Mennonite youth, the pressure would not be there to sway our youth toward this church, um, what you might say, church's laws or this church's practices. I'm missing the right word there, but you know what I mean. We can associate together without following each other head over heels in all of our lifestyle, because all of us have problems. And so when we get together, we don't need to go to the lowest common denominator. Stand on your own two feet. Own your church. It's my church. It's where I go. It's my people. And if you do that, it will give you purpose in life. There will not be a question when you go out in the world and associate with other Mennonite churches, and it won't be a question. You have a purpose. Your purpose is, this is my church. This is my people. These are my standards, and I will do it. Sounds pretty idealistic, doesn't it? <laughs> but that's where we need to be as youth. 
And it will bring satisfaction in your life. It will bring stability in your life. It will give you purpose. 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And Paul is telling Timothy, don't let people despise you for your youth. But you can be an example. And the thing I propose to you tonight as youth is be an example of the believers. And if you go to Peak Mennonite Church, be an example of Peak Mennonite Church believers. It's your people. And I think in the areas in which we live here, and I probably, it's true here as well as in our area, we have lots of Mennonite churches. And we have lots of mixed gatherings of people. And my plea is, own your church. You won't lose purpose if you do that in your church. And you know what? The church depends on you tonight. What will happen 10 to 20 years from now? You're going to be the dads and moms. You're going to be the preacher and the deacon and the bishop somewhere. Probably. And so, own your church. It will give you purpose in life. And it, you're respecting the guardrails. Where you, were, where you are placed. The third point I have here is honor the government. When it comes to respecting the guardrails, you know there are many young people today who end up in jail because they fail on this point. They don't honor the government. And whatever the case is, they defy the law and they end up in jail. And you know what? Our, our youth should not be causing trouble for the government. They should not. And you know, many of us have. I, I'll admit, many of us have when we were young. Hopefully it wasn't any more than speeding or something like that. But we need to be respectful and courteous to government officials. And we shouldn't be a nuisance in the area. <laughs> the community police shouldn't know your name. <laughs> Probably it shouldn't. Unless you're friends with them. But be respectful of the government. Respect the guardrails that are established in society. And I believe the world... You can be an example to the world in this. You can be an example to the community youth in your life. And not only that, it will give you purpose when you live your life in respect to the government. Well, the second point I have, have here for finding purpose, you're probably going to find interesting. And I have reject laziness. <laughs> now just hang tight on that one for a while. Reject laziness. Now, I've spoken about how full of vitality in life our youth are. Why in the world would I put down a point of rejecting laziness? Well, you know what laziness is a result of? It's a result of having no purpose. And you know what? Sometimes having no purpose is a result of laziness. It goes the other way as well. And as an employer, I hire young people. And I've noticed over the last number of years what might be happening among our youth. And that is that there is a philosophy that I need to work as little as possible to get as much as I can. And I think it's the signs of the times in which we're living. Reject laziness. Do you want to do the least amount of work for the most amount of money? And you know what? That doesn't make an employer real happy, does it? You sit down for a job interview and, you know, they want top dollar, but they haven't shown anything for it yet. And that's not what my, my point is tonight. My point is, one of the things my dad taught us children is that you don't always have to work for monetary repayment. Payment. You don't all, your work doesn't always have to pay in money. And we did not have a lot of money growing up. We were poor. 
But when the neighbors needed help, we helped them for no pay. And that didn't matter if it was throwing hay bales in the mow or whatever it was, we helped. And I hope that tonight, if you're lacking purpose in life, that you understand that laziness is a problem. The attitude that I need something for the work I do is going to cause you problems in life. It may appear attractive. Yes, the world has this philosophy that get as much as you can for as little as you can do. And it appears very attractive, but it brings no satisfaction. Brings no satisfaction. And you know what? Here's the point I really wanted to make. Hard work develops maturity and responsibility. And I've encountered people in life that don't like when I say this, and I don't understand why. The Bible says in Lamentations 3.27, it is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. And it's talking about suffering in that chapter. Romans 12.11 says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And the question I get is, why do you think work and responsibility is such a virtue that our youth must have when it comes to finding purpose in life? And the reason I believe this is because it helps us take life seriously. And I'd recommend to any youth here tonight, if you're, maybe the parents sitting here, if your youth are 16 years old, they better have a job. They better be working. It doesn't mean it has to be a monetary paying job, but they better have a job. And they better have a schedule and demands that they need to meet. Because life is serious. Life is sober. And you have to meet that responsibility as a youth. And it brings you purpose. It brings you fulfillment in life. In Titus 2.4 it says the older women were to teach young women to be sober-minded. And later in 6 and 7 it says young, young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. He that is of the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you. There are too many youth today who lack responsibility and lack purpose. And they're close to 20 years old, or maybe they're 20, or they're 21 or 22. And I believe that you're a man when you're 18, and you're a woman. <laughs> I don't want to keep pushing the age up, because there's a problem in society. And they think about 26 or 27 or 28 is when you're an adult. And I'd like to tell you tonight that that's not the case. And our young men and our young women can bear responsibility and hard work and live a scheduled, disciplined lifestyle. I believe it's very valuable. And here's why it's valuable. Hard work in our life increases endurance for the setbacks we have in life. If we learn the lesson of buckling down and accomplishing a difficult task, I believe it helps us in our spiritual life as well. The ability to endure hardness as a good soldier. And there's something about physical work and discipline that helps us develop a life, a world view that helps us in our spiritual life. It seems that physically lazy people are also spiritually lazy as well. Because it's an attitude about life. And if that attitude about life... It, Makes it into our spiritual life. It's a problem. Physical discipline and endurance can teach us spiritual discipline and endurance. It's not very hard to make the connection. If someone is struggling spiritually and they struggle in their work life and bearing responsibility, there's probably a tie there. 
because it's a worldview that joins together. And yes, Paul told Timothy, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And Timothy was a young man. I don't know how young. And so tonight, if your parents demand that you work, <laughs> and it's hard work, let it give you purpose in life. It's a lesson that you will bless your parents for for the rest of their life. And I can tell you that I can bless my parents for doing that in my life. I grew up on a dairy farm, and I didn't like milking cows one bit. Seen way too many of them in my life. You know what they told me? You got to go get a job. And my mom hauled me to work. When I was 15 years old, I did not have my license. I had my learner's permit. She hauled me to work at 12 to 4 in the morning because that was my job. There's some commitment to teaching your youth work and responsibility. You saw the value in it. And you will bless your parents for the rest of your life. It will bring purpose to your life. And I think today we have too many youth in society that don't have this kind of instruction. And we as a Mennonite culture have more of it. And praise the Lord we do. But let's not lose it. <laughs> let's not lose it. Responsibility and hard work can go a long way in our spiritual life as well. The third point I have here for bringing, getting purpose in life. Build real relationships. Build real relationships. Now, why do I say build real relationships? Well, you'll find out. You know, relationships give you purpose in life. And one of the beautiful things about youth is that they have the time and the energy to build those relationships, probably a little more than some of the rest of us do sometimes. You're, get, you're together with your peers, and you have that time and that influence. Relationships give us purpose in life. They influence decisions we make every day. They place demands in our life that are good for us to live by. It's called accountability. When you have a real relationship, it brings accountability in your life. It gives you purpose for living. Somebody loves you, and when somebody loves you, you aim to please them. You see how that brings purpose in your life? When you have a real relationship? And that's why it's important to build real, solid, lasting relationships with your parents. With your parents. You know, I hear a lot of youth today say, well, my parents didn't build a relationship with me. They didn't take time for me. And maybe they didn't. But you know what? It's a two-way street. You as youth here tonight need to build a relationship with your parents. You have some work to do on your end. You need to be willing to build this relationship with your parents. And you know, don't start looking at your parents and saying, well... I wish they would do this, or I wish they would do that, or they'd be better in this area. Don't compare your parents with other parents, because God gave those parents to you, and they're your parents. And parents come in all shapes and sizes and personalities, just like children do. You know, some parents are talkative, some are quiet, some are intellectuals, and some are not. Some parents are great communicators, and others are not. But you know, if you have an honor and a respect for your parents, like we talked about earlier, it'll go a long way in building a good relationship with your parents. If you honor and respect your parents, they will in turn place their trust and confidence in you tonight. And so build that relationship with your parents. Be there with them and communicate 
Work with them. I know we don't all live on farms anymore, but that was one of the beauties of living on a farm is your family could work together and you could communicate and you could work. It's not that way, but take the time to build that relationship with your parents. And they will in turn place their trust and confidence in you. And you know, most of your parents are probably opposites. Did you ever think about that in your marriage? In marriages, how they're opposites. And so while one might be this way and the other one might be the other way, most likely you're covered <laughs> to build a relationship with your parents. Build a relationship with your peers. Choose good friends. Choose godly friends. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. What it's saying here is there, you have friends in life that stick closer to you than what your own blood brothers do. When I look back in my youth, and I realize where I might be today if I had chosen the wrong friends, it's pretty scary to think about. Because I have friends that have left it all and gone the way of the world. And you know, even in our conservative Mennonite churches and among the youth group, you're going to have to choose godly friends. I wish I didn't have to say that, but you are going to have to choose godly friends. Even among our own youth groups. And you know what? You cannot build a real relationship with your peers unless you have good friends, right? You need a good friend to keep you on the straight and narrow way. You need a good friend who will look out for your good at all times. And good friends are willing to rebuke you. They're willing to warn you of danger. I'm helping you identify a good friend here tonight. Proverbs 27 verse 5 says, Open rebuke is better than secret love. Verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And tonight you ask yourself the question, Would I rather be wounded by my friend than loved and kissed by a traitor? Do you have good friends tonight? I think one example in the Bible of an excellent friendship is David and Jonathan. They have an excellent friendship. There was strife outside of their relationship. But that relationship was so tight that no matter what Jonathan's father could do or say, he was a friend. And he warmed David. And he comforted David. And he gave him gifts. He cared. And tonight, if you choose good friends, it will give you purpose in life because you're accountable to them. And you love them. There are too many friendships today that are built on pithy foundations. Pithy foundations like peer pressure. Foundations like social status. And let me tell you something. If your friendships tonight are built on peer pressure and social status, you will be left feeling empty. You'll be left feeling empty. Choose godly friends who care enough about you to wound you once in a while. Because it's better than the kiss of a traitor. Next point I have here for finding purpose in life is serve the kingdom. Serve the kingdom. And I said that I was preaching to youth who are born again. And I'll just say tonight here that John 3 says that if we are not born again, we cannot even see the kingdom of God. And so if you're not born again tonight, you won't see and understand probably what we're saying somewhat. But for those of you who are, if you are born again, this new kingdom that you have entered has a different purpose than the kingdom where you came from. And it is so important for you as youth to understand tonight. 
It has a different purpose and it has a different goal than the old kingdom. And the work of this kingdom is outlined in this book right here. When you accepted Jesus Christ in your life, your assignment's changed. Your mission has changed. Your purpose has changed. And you, are, you will have different goals now. You are serving a different kingdom. And I can't emphasize that enough. We can't accept the new kingdom and live in the old kingdom. It can't be done. There needs to be a change in my life when I accept the new kingdom. When I enter the new kingdom. And you ask, how do we do that? How do we serve the kingdom tonight? It's very simple. By loving God and loving others. Two greatest commandments. Jesus said all the rest of it hangs on these two commandments. And I know I'm running out of time tonight, but I think we need to look at Men of Simons. I think he wrote this, True Evangelical Faith. You want to know what the kingdom involves tonight? True evangelical faith is of such a nature it cannot lie dormant, but spreads itself out in all kinds of righteousness and fruits of love. And by the way, this is the original. That's why it sounds different. True evangelical faith is of such a nature that it cannot lie dormant, but spreads itself out in all kinds of righteousness and fruits of love. It dies to flesh and blood. It destroys all lust and forbidden desires. It seeks, serves, and fears God in its inmost soul. It clothes the naked. It feeds the hungry. It comforts the sorrowful. It shelters the destitute. It aids and consoles the sad. It does good to those who do it harm. It serves those that harm it. It prays for those who persecute it. It teaches, admonishes, and judges us with the word of the Lord. It seeks those who are lost. It binds up what is wounded. It heals the sick. It saves what is strong. It becomes all things to all people. The persecution, suffering, and anguish that have come to it for the sake of the Lord's truth have become a glorious joy and comfort to it. And I probably read that too fast, but that is serving the kingdom. And I hear so many youth today say, well, there's not enough for us to do I hear parents say that there's not enough to do. Is that list long enough? We live in a free land with opportunities that God has given us. And I think he will hold us accountable for how we serve the kingdom. And you as a youth have a wonderful opportunity and more opportunities, I would say, than probably ever before to serve the kingdom. Where does it start? Well, be an asset in your own family. I'm a firm believer in the kingdom being here. Be an asset in your family. Remember that you are the role model, role model for your younger siblings. And be willing to assist your parents in the work at home. That's serving the kingdom. I believe it is. You know, Joseph was asked to go check on his brothers, and he did it. David was asked to go check on his brothers, and he did it. You serve the kingdom in your home with your parents. And take time for your family. Take time to be there and serve. And I don't think it's good if, for you and for your family if you're seldom seen in the home. Be an asset in your own family. Support your local church family. And this is a burden I've had recently. That we have all these questions about what to do for the youth. When we have busy families in our churches. Young families with lots of children. That you as a youth can go support you can help them a couple days a week. You can help them do the canning. You can help them chop firewood. You can help them. That's the family of God at work. 
You know, don't get so distracted by the distant things far away, the wonderful service opportunities far away, when the kingdom's right here. When the kingdom's right here. And you have an obligation, if you're a member of this church, to help those within your own church family. You know, when the church needs cleaned, be here. When the church needs repaired, be here. You know, the other day we drove by Brother Elam in our car, and somebody was out there leveling the stones. I don't even know if he's here tonight. <laughs> he pulled it in and he said, are you doing it for love or are you doing it for money? <laughs> Serve the kingdom. Level the stones in the church parking lot. There's work to be done. And youth that are full of vitality and life can do it much better than the old men and women in the church. You know? They have the opportunity. Be ready to step in and assist the church family. It gives you purpose in life. It gives you a sense of belonging. This is my church. Own it. Purpose. And then lastly here, I have here, take service opportunities that your church supports. And yes, take service opportunities that your church supports. Don't take service opportunities to get away from your church. I don't know if that happens down here or not, but it does sometimes. And there's lots of opportunities that your churches support. One of them's teaching school. And one of the, I was on the school board last year, and I, it was a burden to me to think about how many youth we have. And yes, you're not all cut out to be school teachers. We get it. But our schools need teachers. And it's kingdom work. And if God is calling you to be a teacher, I'll sign you up in the back. <laughs> we need a third and fourth grade teacher right now. <laughs> I'll sign you up. And I know a couple other schools that do in our area as well. It's the kingdom work. Consider it seriously. Because our churches operate on volunteers. They do. And it's important that they keep operating that way. And it's important that we keep going. And we continue having our Christian day schools. So consider it seriously. Yes, you're not all cut out to be teachers. We get it. But if someone calls, give it serious thought. And give it some time. Give it two years. And teaching. <laughs> Give it some time. Now we have other service opportunities. Disaster relief. I was blessed recently. We had a young man in Sunday school, and he was bringing word back from, I guess he was, was it in Kentucky or Louisiana? I'm not sure where he was. And it's a blessing that our young people go and help in that way. It's wonderful. They, they come back with experiences that will teach them for life. It gives them purpose for mission work, it gives them purpose for their life in this world to help others in time of need. It's tremendous fulfillment in working in the kingdom. And my warning tonight is don't let the fun distract from it. Don't let sports get in the way. I know we, we play games and that's okay sometimes. But your purpose is to serve the kingdom. If you said yes to Jesus Christ, you have a kingdom to serve. And let's be faithful in doing that. Last point I have here for finding purpose in life is to respect the past and consider the future. You know, of all the things that youth have tonight, your strength and your money and your time and your little responsibility that, that you might have, there is one thing that we do not have tonight, 
and I'm including myself in this, and that is we don't have experience. And you know, isn't that what makes you so vulnerable? That you have all this energy and might and power and strength and the will to do it, and yet you don't have a lot of experience. Very easy to just go plying off in the wrong direction, isn't it? Respect the past and consider the future. I think it's important tonight for you youth to learn from the past in your own life and open your ears and hear what the older ones have to say about the past. Why? Because you are breaking brand new ground in a brand new world that no one has lived in before. And you're going to need to respect the past and consider the future. Your parents and your grandparents and your preachers are going to warn you and guide you based guide you based on their experience from the past. And no, we don't live in the past, but we use it as a teacher for us when we look at the future. And we must be a respecter of history or we will be doomed to repeat it. And you youth are not too young to understand that concept. And yes, it, it begins to dawn on you slowly, I know, as you get older. And when you have children, you get married, you have children, then it really hits you. I've got another generation coming behind. I better look out what I'm doing for the future. There are some verses in John, Joshua 4, and I'm not going to read them. I'm going to tell you what the story is. It's when the people passed over the Jordan River. And the Lord spake unto Joshua, and he said, Take twelve men out of the people, and take these stones, and go back and place them there where the priest's feet stood on that Jordan River. And he says this, this, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And so tonight, it's a parent's responsibility to place the stones. But it's the use responsibility to ask the questions. Respect the past and consider the future. These, this was not done lightly. God gave them a direct command to do this. Respect the past and consider the future. Ask questions about the past. Why? Because it will bring purpose to the life you're living in the present. We wonder why our parents ask us to do certain things. We wonder why they ask us to live a certain way. You wonder why your church administration requires some things of you. Then ask questions about the past, and you'll find the answers for the present. Why are we doing what we're doing today? The past informs us how to make decisions for the future. And you know, the tendency for youth, and we've all been youth, is that we live in the moment. We live in the moment. And in a way, there's a certain amount of that that's okay, because Solomon says, rejoice in the days of thy youth. But respect the past and consider the future. Because the life you're living today is creating a future that you're going to live in tomorrow. The life you're living today is creating a future that you will live in tomorrow. So look out. Be careful what you sow because you will also reap in your future. Respect the past and consider the future. And I must close. Ecclesiastes 12.1 Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth 
While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Rejoice in the days of your youth, life and vitality. But don't wander. Find purpose and meaning in life tonight.